We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. And everybody uh, said we didn't want to leave. Isn't that wonderful when you get around the table and it's wonderful you don't want to leave? How many of you have ever been there? You just don't want to leave the table. It's all good. God invites us to come to the table. He said, come and I will, I will eat with you and I will drink with you. And, and I believe every service and every sermon is a meal. When I was growing up, I never thought about food. Never thought about it. As a matter of fact, when mom, I told you I grew up in the country in Mississippi, and the way we were announced it was dinner time or supper time, my mom would go, Dwayne! Yell on the back porch, front porch. Whatever. And I had to be within hollering distance. I mean, know what hollering distance is. If I was, with, if I was outside of hollering distance, I got in trouble. But she would call and come in, and it was supper time, and I just thought it's an interruption to my adventures and my playing and all those things, but it was time to eat. I didn't think much about food. Uh, my mom was not the best cook, but she cooked the best food. Everything was fried. I mean, you grew up that way. I mean, fry everything. If you don't fry it, you shouldn't eat it. And so I loved all the foods, but she, she was not the best cook. Well, Sandy and I got married, and uh, I only ate meat and potatoes. I didn't know there was anything else. Meat and potatoes. So we got married. She goes, hey, you're going to have to change the way you're eating. Because she cooked with these things called spices. <laughs> Never heard of those things before. Uh, we, My mom used salt and pepper, but that was about it. So she's Cajun. Cajuns, I mean, they, they spice it up. And so I remember when we got married, went on our honeymoon, and I was going to, the last night, I was going to show her how mature and how intellectual and a man of the world I was. So the last night, I made reservations at this really fancy restaurant. I mean, it is, it is high brow. In Mississippi, we call it high cotton. I mean, you know what high cotton is? High cotton. So I, I took her and we walked in. And, and the first thing they do is they take you and put you in this the bar area, which I've never been in a bar area growing up as a preacher's kid. And they go in there and they sit us at this little thing. And the, and the waitress comes over and goes, what, would you like a cocktail? Well, the man of the world that I am. I said, absolutely. I would like a shrimp cocktail. <laughs> she looked at me funny. That's the only cocktail I knew, shrimp. And I thought that was stepping out pretty good. So they then usher us into the meal, and this is a place where they don't have menus. They just tell you what's going on. Now, how many of you moms will confess I have used boxes to cook food for my family? Hamburger helper, all those things. Come on, moms. Okay, my mom found this box when I was growing up. It was called All Groton. That's what it said on the front. The power surges, I guess. All the confession got everything messed up. <laughs> then all it said on the front was all rotten. And it, to me, it was potatoes with cheese. So we're, we're at this restaurant. This lady is just calling out the menu. We've got all this stuff. And then she comes to the vegetables, which I don't eat vegetables. I, I ordered my steak, and now I'm ready. And so she goes through this list of, of vegetables, and she says, succotash, I don't know what that is. So I'm not going to order that. And then she says, spinach, au gratin, and moves on. Au gratin. I know what that is. 
So I told the wife, I'll have the all rotten. She says, oh, okay, so you'll have the spinach. No. I want the all rotten. About that moment, I get a kick under the table. All rotten. A-U. Capital G. Oh, you have the spinach. No. We then go into about a four-minute dissertation back and forth of spinach. I want potatoes with cheese. Later, my wife said it was spinach or rotten spinach with cheese on it. Who does that? But I didn't show her very well how it was made. It was horrible night. But then we get back, and it kind of comes back to me because my wife comes home, and now she's cooking a meal for us. She's wanting to impress me. So she cooks potatoes, but she knows only how to cook like her mama cooked. She's from a large family, lots of brothers and a sister. So she fixes us potatoes in a pot this big. She cut up five pounds of potatoes. She said, it's the only way I know how to cook. So thank God through the years she's learned how to push it down a little bit. And I've learned how to eat spices and I know what vegetables are. But our food, we spend a lot of time and a lot of money on food. Matter of fact, other than your mortgage or a car payment, it's probably one of the biggest things in your budget. People wake up every morning nowadays thinking about food. What am I going to eat? Remember whenever um, Jane Fonda come out with exercise videos and Susan Powder all up in your face, kind of high energy and jazzercise and all those things? People started going on diets. I've never heard of this thing called a diet. Then people start counting calories. When did this happen? You just eat what's on the table. My mom didn't know what calories were. She just knew how there was a five-gallon bucket of lard by the stove. And if you need to fry something, you got a handful, you threw it in the cast iron skillet. When it got ready and hot, you put something in there. You didn't count calories. And then this thing came about. People started weighing their food. Why do you weigh your food? Just You just eat. Remember when mom had that big cast steel thing on the stove and had all these big crank downs all around it. It had this little thing on the top. It's called a pressure cooker. And maybe had to tiptoe through the house when she was using that thing. Because if that little thing on the top stopped doing this, it could blow the house up. Yeah. Blow the house up. That's when you know cooking was real. Now we've transitioned. And now we have these things called microwave. Remember those come out. A 60-minute potato can now be cooked and baked in the microwave for three minutes. This was mind, revolution, bending stuff. And then we come out with these jiffy pop, remember? Times have changed. You're no longer shaking the skillet on the stove. You can now just jiffy pop this thing. Is there something I'm... You know, I've realized what's going on, but I'm not ready. Y'all got me, y'all. Just wait. <laughs> and so we've now come into this thing to where we want convenience. Right. What's fast. As a matter of fact, we have drive-throughs. And, and the parents are driving through these things. And how many know that today drive-throughs aren't fast enough? Right. We get stuck in the drive-thru and the drive-thru is too slow. 
And, and then we get the Holy Grail. <laughs> we get the Holy Grail and you pass it back to the kids because they're screaming, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. You open it up and the kids go, ah, I already have this toy. And the parents are, no. It's not about the food, it's about the toy. So you ask them, do you have a different toy? My kids already have all of these. Well, they don't. And they start screaming again. We want a better toy. Drive-throughs. Life has changed. Life has changed. We want convenience. We want things that are, that are fast, that are easy. We want things that help us to go through all the things that we have to go through. Convenience. Convenience. And then, I realized after I left home and Sandy started cooking, there are all kinds of food. I only thought there was southern cooking. Everything fried. But then, I learned there's Asian food. That's awesome. I learned there's Mexican food. That's awesome. Italian food. That's awesome. I mean, all of these kinds of cuisines, which I didn't even know that was a word. There's all these things. And now life is becoming more awesome. But then I remember back to my roots. There was this thing called soul food. Remember soul food growing up in the South? Collard greens, mustard greens. You know what I'm talking about? You put the pigtail in stuff. The actual pigtail. That's cooking. Grease is on the top, floating in. You put grease in the green beans, then I can eat Bacon fat. So food, but I got to thinking about it. Lord, what are our families consuming today? You see, because churches change too. I grew up going to church at least three times a week. Sometimes five, six, seven times a week. Because somebody was having a revival somewhere, somebody was having a singing. So we got a lot of God. And even with that, life was tough. And today I'm wondering, what are we feeding our families? You see, we've got people who are vegetarians eating salads. If you're a vegetarian, that's fine. I am not. But if that's your operation, your, your way, stuff, that's fine. There are words I know today that I had no idea were real words when I was growing up. I did not know anybody who was gluten-free when I was growing up. Did anybody, anybody know anybody gluten-free? Uh, anybody know anybody lactose intolerant? I never knew these words growing up. And now we have developed these. Do you know why we've developed gluten-free situations and, and allergies? It's because scientists have now created uh, grains that are more uh, drought-tolerant. And so it has changed the way we digest it. It is messing up that fur lining in your gut. You got celiac and celiac disease. And so it's all changing, right? But I have found one thing does not change. The Word of God. And what we are feeding our souls today is of the utmost importance in, in my family and in this church. Because I see a society that is just consumed driven. We consume everything. We wake up in the morning thinking about natural food. We wake up in the morning going, how am I going to consume my time today? But yet I wonder how many of us are waking up in the morning going, I've got to determine what of the Word of God will I consume first? 
What prayers will I pray first today? Because that's more important than food. Jesus dealt with a lot of situations with food. A lot of them. I mean, he had close to 15,000 people one day and only had one little boy's lunch and all the disciples were running around going, where are we going to get some food? They were looking at the natural. Where are we going to get food? Jesus said, really, guys, that's not what the most important thing is today. I can handle the natural. You guys need to be focused more on the supernatural. Yeah. We have Jesus... Uh, with, a, with a whole bunch of his disciples all of a sudden show up in Mary Martha's house. I mean, Martha's in the kitchen going ballistic. I wasn't ready for this. I didn't plan this in my weekly menu of what we're going to have at the house. I don't have enough food. And she's in there going crazy. And Mark, Mary's in there going, oh, Jesus. I love you. This is awesome. And Martha's freaking out. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Again, she's focused on the natural. We need to be focused on the supernatural. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 4. Jesus has gone to a part of the country that all the Jews says you should not go into because these people are a mixed race. We don't have anything to do with them socially. Nothing. And Jesus said, I must needs, in the, in the, in the uh, King James, I have to. It is mandatory that I go to Samaria. So he goes to Samaria. Not only does he go to Samaria, but then he stops at a well and then messes up social culture even more by talking to a woman. He is breaking all of the cultural rules. So he talks to this woman. Look at verse 7 and 8. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? This is very important. His disciples had gone into town to do what? Buy food. What are their minds on? Food. Jesus is now focused on the supernatural. Jesus is now focused. Look at this, verse 9 and 10. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Today, a lot of us are focused on the natural. What time is it, honey? Today, a lot of us are looking around at what is seen. And if you only knew, if you only knew how much God wants to do in your life today, you wouldn't ever look at your watch. You wouldn't ever think about something that happened yesterday. You wouldn't ever think about tomorrow. You'd be right here going, Man, I want everything God wants to give me this morning. I've got to have a drink. I've got to have this living water. I can't leave without it. Pastor, I want what God has for me. I don't want to get my eyes fixed on the natural, but the supernatural. Now look at this. John chapter 4, 13 and 14 says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to what? Eternal life. Today we want convenience. How long is the service at your church? Huh? What time is it? Because
Because if it's not convenient for me to drive through, if it's going to take more than 30 to 40 minutes, well, how old is your pastor? How does he dress? Does he have a beard? Does he wear t-shirts that say cool stuff on him? What kind of lights do you have? The light show that's going on. Do you have fog and lights and, you know? These are the questions people are asking about church. And these are not the questions that we should be asking because we're looking at the external, just temporary food. Because we want to drive through and get the toy. And then if the preacher preaches on something you already know, I already have this toy. Why am I here? I wanted something. Give me something different. Pastor, what are you going to do for me today? How we, how's the church going to serve me? Well, the last time I checked, you are to serve God. Not the church serve you. It's not about what you get. It's about what you give. You see, culture has invaded the church mentality. Culture is telling us what we should be eating. How many of you like cotton candy? I love cotton candy. That's what a lot of people want in sermons today. Give me a cotton candy message. You know what? It looks pretty. It tastes really good. Anybody want your cotton candy? See? Ask and you shall receive. Take one of those. Now don't share. They're going to ask for Cotton candy is what? Do you know the thing about, I love my sermons. You know this? I put a big old piece of this in my mouth. Barely could stuff it all in. And in a couple of moments, it's gone. Oh, there's a sweet taste. Now, how many of you think this will sustain my life? Today, we want cotton candy sermons. Pastor needs to look good, needs to taste sweet to me, but that's all I want. Miss mm -hmm. Sandy, oh, her birthday's tomorrow, by the way. Would you pass up some of this cotton candy? Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Oh, hey, look what else I've got on the table. Milk. Milk does our body good. Yeah. Ah. Milk is a wonderful thing, right? And when we're young, it's very important that we drink milk to do what? Strengthen our bones. But how many of you know that after just a few months of a baby drinking this milk, that baby's going to get a lot of milk. But after a little bit, that milk will not sustain that baby. And it will start crying again. And the mom goes, but you just drank eight ounces. They want more. They start, then you start doing formulas. After a while, that's not enough. Then you start giving them the green and yellow stuff. <laughs> Thank God we're a baby and don't even remember doing that. You know, you got the little feeder thing and you're shoving it in their mouth. Oh, y'all, that's not the way it works. I probably just <laughs> syringe it in. Maybe that's why they didn't work. <laughs> I thought it was a, they're through. Done. Come out their nose, their mouth. 
Milk's not enough because you know what? You need muscles. And so if you need muscles, we got to go way beyond convenience, right? Is now what are we consuming? Well, how many of you like meat? Oh, I, I've got some meat, I think, that's available for me today. You ready? Where's my meat? Let's go. They got, they got me something. I know they do. Because I went and bought a big old steak. They gave me a sign. My steak is here. Where? I want meat. Arby's, we've got the meats. Yeah. Come on up, Brent. Man, don't, don't be slow, buddy. Hey, listen. The problem with meat is some people get choked on it. You see, go ahead and sit down right there. This is beautiful. My Lord. Ooh. Look at that. Oh, juices are running everywhere. Where's my knife and fork? Never stopped me before. When you're hungry. You know what Proverbs says? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Let's give a big hand for Mr. Bill. The Bible says when you're hungry, even the bitter tastes sweet. So sometimes you come into church and the preacher's not going to preach what you want, the food you're wanting. Well, I just want it to be fruit today, Pastor. Fruit's good, but it won't sustain your life. The Bible says that we need the meat of the Word. The meat of the Word. Because meat sustains your life. We've got to have meat in the message. So you ready for some meat today? Yes. All right, come on. Yes. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 says this. In fact, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Should be eating meat. You're 20 years old in the Lord. But you've got to go back to drinking milk because you're getting choked on the message. John chapter 4, 31 through 38. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. <laughs> this is crazy. Then the disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? <laughs> Do you get it? <laughs> the disciples went to buy food. They brought some back. Jesus goes, I've got food that you're not even comprehending. I've got things to give you. I've got some meat. I've got something that will take you through eternity, but you're not even looking. You're not listening. I've got truth that will set you free. But all you're worried about is getting a drive-through, getting a toy, getting some cotton candy, give me a little milk. Pastor, I'll be all right. No, you won't. You're not going to be sustained. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you're going to collapse. When the enemy comes in to destroy, you're going to run like crazy. You need something. You need the meat of the Word of God that will sustain you and give you life and give you life in the abundance today. We don't need drive-through churches. We don't need cotton candy sermons. We need pastors who will get back in the pulpit again and say, this is what the Word of God says. 
Don't worry about everything else. You see, we got pastors today intimidating. Well, the crowd maybe now. We're not here to build a crowd. We're here to build a church. I can get a crowd with pizza. I don't want a crowd. I want a church. I want men and women who know the Word of God and know how to use the Word of God and know how to be victorious and conquerors over you. Over. I want people who will sustain in the middle of fires and fights. Jesus said, I've got something you don't even wear about. Look at this. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. What is your purpose in life? It is to do the will of God. Nothing else. What I get before God, He's not going to say, hey, you did good counting calories. Some people in church count the calories of spiritual food. I can only take in so much today. No, 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 no. We're getting gorged on everything. Let me tell you what's on the menu in our families today. What's on the menu in our families today? we got these things right here babysitting our kids. Moms and dads, come on. This is me. This is where you're going to get choked right here. It's time for us to take our kids back and give them to God and give God to our kids. Instead of going here and taking an iPad. Here, take my phone. The whole world is available right here. We've got spouses hiding things from their spouses on this and computers and iPads. Parents today are not even aware of what their kids are looking at. Moms and dad, are you aware that there's an app? That they can hide all their social media stuff that they don't want you to see behind the calculator app. And it takes a special passcode on the calculator to get into it and you don't even know anything about it. You look at their iPad, you look at their phone. Oh, that's just a calculator app, Pastor. There's nothing there. While the whole time, listen, you've got the enemy not outside but in your house destroying your family. Used to we had to worry about pedophiles being physically there. Now we got pedophiles watching kids on cameras in our homes, through our computers, through our iPads, and through our phones. And we're just going, hey, what's for dinner? Destruction in our families is on the menu. We got marriages that are being torn apart because some guy, some woman decides I met somebody on the internet and we're just being friends. No, you're not. The enemy's out to destroy your marriage. Destroy your family. This is not playtime. This is not fun time. This is not cotton candy. This is all oh, no. Pastors feed me meat this morning, and I'm just about to choke on this thing. We spend six to eight hours a day on our iPads and phones and our, all of our gadgets and electronics. And yet we can't take two minutes to look at an app and read a Bible verse of the day. No wonder the church is weak and anemic. No, no wonder the churches are being emptied out because we want light shows and fog. We want a pastor that dresses cool and the sermon's 15 to 20 minutes. I want cotton candy. Wait a minute. We've got an enemy stealing, killing, and destroying. And we've got families who are being destroyed left and right. We've got kids that are being offered up on the sacrificial altar to the enemy. And we're sitting around going, hey, would you like a hamburger? Would you like some fries? No, no, no. We need something from God today. And God is saying, I've got spiritual food that I want to give you so much more than you're even aware of today. I want you to come and dine at my table and it will sustain you. It's my passion today, church. We're getting so filled up on all the things of the world, we don't have time for the world. We can ask kids today. I can go over here and ask these teenagers. 
Give me five sports teams and the quarterbacks or the, the names of the people on the team, some of their stats. They'll know them. But if I was to go over here and say, give me five scriptures, book, chapter, and verse where they're found, I think they're going to struggle. It's not funny. If I was to ask them, how many of you can quote me all 66 books of the Bible in order? I think our teenagers are going to have trouble with that. Our little kids don't know John 3.16 anymore. And I knew that when that was drilled into my head when I started talking. They know MMA fighters. They know sports. They know everything. Parents today, we can talk more about golfing and hunting and shooting and fishing and all that. Give me ten scriptures in the Word of God, book, chapter, and verse. Challenge yourself today. What do I know as a parent? How am I parenting my family? What am I feeding my family? Because i got to tell you, we can measure this stuff out all we want to. And these are cute little measuring cups, aren't they? <laughs> Never had those when I was a kid. My mom did this. We want to measure out what we take in in the Word of God. But God says, I am immeasurable. I have no beginning. I have no end. How can you measure an immeasurable God? How can you limit in something that is unlimited? How, how can you take in something that is beyond our ability to gorge ourselves? We need to gorge ourselves on God and His Word and His presence. You may say, but Pastor, I don't have time. Time. See, that's another reason why the churches are failing today. People don't have time. How did they have time to pray in, well, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? How did we have time for revivals? How did we have time to go to church three times a week when now the average Christian gets to church only about 17 times a year? On our pastoral website we have for the Assemblies of God, one of the pastors says, I've got a brilliant new idea for church attendance. I'm going to get a poster board and put a graph on it, put all the names of the members of the church on it, and when they come to church, they'll get a gold star. <laughs> Where did that come from? Oh, it's a thing called Sunday school. That's where we taught our kids the Word of God. It's probably the reason most of you are still in church today because your parents shoved the word in you more than they shoved the world at you. And he said, if I get, if I get somebody that gets 52 stars, I'll give them $500. Because he knows there's no way nobody's going to get 52 stars. You see, what's happening to our society starts in our churches, and what happens in our churches starts around our families. The family is the nucleus of our society and the nucleus of our churches. And today we're becoming anemic to the Word of God. We're becoming a word free. Uh, we're word intolerant. We're having weak messages that just say God loves you. Yes, God does love you. And He has grace and mercy. Thank God for grace and mercy. But everything that I read when I get to the meeting says, Hey, you draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. You bring all your burdens to me, I will take them. But everything is dependent upon us first. You confess your sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive you of all your sins. You see, we're sitting around today going, but God, you need to come do something for me. No, no, God's going to wait. I'm a God who responds. 
You will have as much of me as you want. Come to the table. It's supper time. It's Sunday morning. It's where we get meat. But you need meat Monday morning too. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we've got to find out. This woman, he told her things that nobody knew about. He said, I want you to go get your husband. She goes, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right. You've got multiple husbands in the past, and the man you're living with right now is not even your husband. She's a Samaritan. She's an adulteress, and yet Jesus is talking to her because he loves her. But he wanted to redeem her. He wanted to give her food that she could not see. And she invited the whole town. Hotel came out. She says, come and listen to a man who tells me things I didn't even know about myself. All today, church, if we get a glimpse of who he is and we get some time in his presence, we don't have to talk about evangelism. We'll do evangelism. Oh, you've got to come and you've got to hear what God is saying to our church. Oh, you've got to come and taste and see that the Lord, he is good. You've got to come and get something that will fill you up where you'll drink and not be thirsty, where you'll eat and not be hungry. I'm not talking about the things of the world. I'm talking about something that will fill your soul. I'm talking about soul food. Spiritual food that when you stand before God, you'll still be filled. And not empty. So we got people running after everything they can see. Running after everything they can see. Today, the church is focused on everything they can see. And here's what the Word of God says. It says that one day, look at this. Let me finish this passage. My food said Jesus is the one to do the will of Him who sent me to finish His work. Don't you have a saying? Jesus now referred to their flesh, their physical. Don't you have a saying it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. These guys are focused on the temporary. Churches today are focused on the temporary. And Jesus said, listen, don't we have a principle on this earth that you sow four months later, you reap? We're reaping right now in this area. We're reaping cotton and wheat and corn and soybeans, all those things that were sowed months ago. But here's what Jesus says. In the spiritual, the sower is dropping food in the spiritual and the reaper is right behind him reaping it. It doesn't take long to say, Father, forgive me. It doesn't take long to say, I confess my sins before you today. And all of a sudden, that seed that was dropped now has brought forth the harvest and the reaper right there. They're right beside each other, right behind each other. That's supernatural. And that's what God is dealing with today. And I just wanted to come and tell you, we get our eyes fixed on everything we see. And then we come to church and have the same process. How much longer, Ethel? We've got a pot roast on at the house. And, you know, the grandkids are going to be over and we, won't, we don't want to miss them. And, 
Listen, I, I understand all that. We have grandkids. But they don't do electronics at Poppy's house. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. I'm just saying this has been something of a challenge that I've accepted in my life. We accepted it with our children years ago. Just because the world does things doesn't mean that's the way a house ought to be handled. It's time we take back our families. It's time we take back our homes. We, we take back the dining room tables. We, we take them back and we say, hey, listen. You're not going to watch this or do this during... We're, we're going to spend some family time together. That means moms and dads, you've got to get your act together too because guess what? We all have the same amount of time. I'm running into this answer all the time with young families. Pastor, we are so exhausted. We just don't have the time. I understand. We were there. Our kids were in volleyball and this and that going on and on and on. And there comes a place where parents have to say, wait a minute. This is more important. We have food mailed to us today. You can have your food prepackaged and pre-measured and set up on a menu and every day of the week done and it mails to your house. Did you know Grubhub is a thing? You can call these places and they'll bring the food. You don't, used to you had to get out and go through the drive-thru. Dad, we're so lazy. We don't even want to get out. I'll just bring it to me. Come on. Consumption, consumption, consumption. And the world says we will provide consumption for you as long as you consume. And God's saying, hey, wait a minute. I'm providing unlimited consumption. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. He's wanting to come into all of our homes. He wants to come into our churches. We've got to give him time. Time. It takes time to have a relationship. It takes time. Sandy and I have been married 40 years this year, but it takes time to continue to have a relationship. But the most important relationship in my life is not my wife, it's not my kids, my grandkids, it's not this church, it is with my Father. If I don't get this one right, everything else messes up. And it is that important, I cannot go, wait a minute, this can wait. No, 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 it can't wait. The spiritual soul food is more important than all of this. We've got clothes in our closets we can't even wear because we've gotten too big for them. We all do. Come on, let's just confess. i got some. Can't wear. It didn't happen because I was dieting or counting my calories or weighing my food or vegetarian. It happened because I love food. And I love it a lot. And I eat a lot. And I'm Got a steak, and that's not going to get wasted. <laughs> but we are thinking about the wrong things. We're thinking about what are we going to eat today, what's on the menu for our families. Well, it's iPads and iPhones, and it's computers, and it's this and that, and it's basketball, volleyball, soccer, all these things. And then we get home, oh, we got to do all the housework and do all... These are all world. Where's the word? The challenge today. I give you a challenge every week. The challenge last week was to spend one to two meals with your family. Just two. One to two a week. To where there's no electronic gadgets. Just you and your family. TVs turned off. Moms and dads. It's not just for the kids. 
be surprised what happens when you turn off electronics. And if they're bored, good. They don't even know what that is anymore. Let them get bored. Life sometimes is boring. Talk with them. I gave you questions last week. You know what? I'm going to give you some starter questions this week. So get together with your family at least two times. Turn off all the electronic gadgets. Maybe ask your kids this. Hey, what's your favorite scripture? Maybe you'll start off by telling them your favorite scripture. Mine. I know mine. Do you know yours? Book, chapter, verse. And if you do Jesus wept, I'm going to bop you one month. That was my answer in pre-K. Teacher goes, anybody quote a scripture? Jesus wept. Don't you do that. John 3.16 is for those with milk. Give your kids some meat. Ask your kids, what's your favorite Bible story? Maybe have them tell it to you. Maybe ask them, where, where have you eaten your, the best meal of your life? Maybe what favorite place in the world would you like to go to? I know Sandy says, Ireland, she's wanting to go back. So we're going to plan a missions trip to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to get our kids consuming. We've got to get our parents consuming. We've got to get our churches consuming the Word of God. And guess what? When I was growing up, we had a big old family Bible. When I was growing up, my mom and dad had a Bible. I wasn't allowed to touch my dad's Bible because that was his preaching Bible. I didn't get a Bible until I was a little bit older. I had a green leather Bible. It's the sword of the Spirit. And we had sword drills growing up. And I wonder today if we ask our teenagers... What's the Old Testament book? What's the New Testament book? So if they know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Maybe some of our parents. Do you know Old Testament from New Testament? And which books are there? We we have all the knowledge. We Google everything. It's time we start Godding something. We have the whole world right here. There are hundreds of versions of the Bible on this phone for free. When I was growing up, I had to buy a Bible. It was gifted to me. It was $20. It's a big expense for my parents. I treated it, valued it. But today, these phones, you have hundreds of versions that you can get for free. And yet, most of us don't even have a Bible app on our phone. Listen, today, as a pastor, I love you so much. But I am so concerned and passionate for our families. Because we will not have a church if we lose our families. We will not have a society if we lose our families. And I see our society running hard after the world. And what I'm seeing is the church starting to run hard after the world. Can we just do a drive through message today? I already have that toy. Can I just get a cotton candy message? Just give me something that tastes sweet. And, yeah, it's going to dissolve quickly, but it's all right, Pastor. You've come to the wrong place. This is not a drive-thru. This is not fast food. This is a sit-down meal. And we're serving meat today. And I don't want you to choke on it. But I want you to learn how to consume and digest the meat of the Word of God. Jesus gave that woman eternal food. 
Jesus gave his disciples some eternal food. And today he's here to give you something that's eternal. It's supper time. Would you stand with me today? Supper time. Living water. Wow. You can live without food for about 40 days. But you can only live without water for about seven. Jesus said, I'm the living water, and I'm the bread of life. I will meet the essentials for you to be sustained and to have life. Today, we can't live without the bread and without the water. I hope you hear my heart today, church. I hope you hear my passion today for our families. Because if we don't take our families back, the enemy's going to steal them. We're going to sit around and go, what happened? You see, when I was a kid, I ate a bunch of fried food. It didn't affect me then, but it's affected me now. So guess what I have to worry about now? Cholesterol. Who knew that was a thing? But it is a thing. It'll clog you, clot all in your arteries until it kills you. Today, you may go, I don't need to pray today. I'm, I'm okay. I don't need to read the Word of God today. I, I'm okay. You may be okay today. Then you may be okay tomorrow. But you are what you eat. It will affect you. It'll affect you in places you don't even see. You see, because right now, God is looking on the inward. I look on the outward. God says, man looks on the outward, but I look upon the inward appearance. What is God seeing in you today? What is God seeing in your life today? What are you consuming? What, what are you eating spiritually? We're digesting a lot of things that can destroy us from the inside out. So first and foremost, with everybody standing, I've got to ask this question. Because if I don't ask this question, I'm not a very good pastor. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just one moment, it doesn't take long. The sower and the reaper can go hand in hand. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm eating the wrong things. My life has been consumed with the things that are going to destroy me from the inside out. I'm consuming the things of the world, not the things of the Word. Today I need to consume the word. You've spoken the word, and it's brought a thing in my heart that's called conviction. And you said that if we confess that God is faithful and just, He will forgive us. Absolutely. But we have to confess. So right where you're standing, with every head bowed and every eye closed, is there somebody here today say, Pastor? I'm eating the wrong things. I know it, and God knows it. And I'm asking God right now to forgive me of all my sins and wash me white as snow. If that's you, raise your hand right where you're at today. Raise your hand. Yes. Come on. God's looking on the inside. He, he sees the truth. Come on. Yes. Raise your hands. Once you raise them, you put them back down. 
Only the Holy Spirit can draw you. Nothing man says can do this. You have several hands raised this morning. That's a work of the Holy Spirit, not man. So would you as a church, would you cooperate with me right now? Everybody in the house, pray this one prayer with me. If you raise your hand, you're going to pray it with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If you're here today and you're already a Christian, it won't hurt you a bit. I pray this prayer most every day. Pray it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess my sins. Please forgive me of all my sins. Forgive me of all my consumptions that are not pleasing in your eyes. Help me today to eat your word, to live your word, and to be more conscious of what I consume. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now let's give God praise for those who raise their hands. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.